okay, bro. You eat corn dogs. I don't know what you're talking about. I eat normal hot dogs, like uh, in a bun with uh, ketchup, mustard, and relish. I don't know what you on right now. This brother eat corn dogs. But anyway, thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of the Traveling Hoopers podcast. I am your host, Alan Pettigrew Jr. And in front of me is one of my best friends in the world, Philip Dixon. Philip, go ahead and let the people hear your voice. What's going on? My name's Philip Dixon, a.k.a. the Glizzy King. Pause. Whoa, that was crazy. <laughs> Whoa. 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 <laughs> like, I really said the glizzy, but then I realized, like, the origins of that term, like, as I was saying it, because I was like, I said it, because I don't think I've ever said that. I've, I don't think I've actually ever said it out loud. So this time when I said it, I was like, wow, that didn't come out. Like, that came out crazy. Glizzy Dixon. It's okay, bro. Yeah, I don't even nicknames. It's crazy. <laughs> I do love hot dogs, though. I'm a lot of you. Little chili cheese dog, little coney, that's fire. And this is why you don't play baseball, people. So you don't have to get addicted to hot dogs. That's besides the point. This is an NBA podcast. And what we're going to give you today is five burning questions for the second half of the season. And I think the second half of the season is going to be really important for what we see the NBA as for the next pretty much couple months. Is going to shape the playoff race. We see how tight it is out west. And I think the Philip Belize top three teams, I think top two teams out east are going to solidify themselves as the king and everybody else is fighting for third and fourth place. And I understand that there is a lot of talented teams out east that have a chance, but those those top teams in my book are, are done. So we're going to start out with something a little simple and give you guys a little bit of hope. Um, And our first question is, who do you think is going to be the Cinderella of the second half of the season? For me, it's the Atlanta Hawks. I think them bringing in Quinn Snyder as a coach is huge. We saw what Quinn Snyder did with a relatively talented team with his years in Utah. Young Donovan Mitchell, young-ish Rudy Gobert, and their supporting Gobert? cast. Gobert, keep going. Gobert, 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 it is what it is. Uh, <clears throat> I think what he did is a system that Atlanta could not exactly easily replicate, but they have the dudes and the talent they have the scores, the defense, the playmaker and Trey Young, the big man in Clint Capella, where they can do a facsimile of what they did in Utah. And we all, especially during that time, we all considered the West to be a more talented space than what they have out East. If he can bring that same formula and everything clicks, of course, there's going to be some rough patches. But I honestly think by the end of the year, that could be the team not to beat, but they're like, okay, this is the team that made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. Still not sure why they fired Nate McMillan. I understand that it's uh, not a good season for them, but there's also been like a good amount of turnover on this roster. Like it's not the same team that he had a year ago, but if anybody can figure out how to make all these 
players mesh together, it's yeah. Quinn Snyder. Um, he's really good at orchestrating the pick and roll, and there's not too many passers better than Trey Young at this point. And if Trey Young is hitting his shots like I know he can, if you're setting a good pick and roll screen, you're putting the defense in a really tough spot where they have to either close out on Trey Young and make sure he doesn't get that three off the pick and roll, or you defend the role, man. And Clint Capella is one of the better guys in that system. And they have other young bigs who can get it done there. Uh, and then you consider all the spacing. And then you also have DeJounte Murray who can run pick and roll as well. And he's even improved as a three-point shooter. So there's a lot of different looks that you can have in this offense with Quinn Snyder at the helm. And I'm really going to be paying attention more to the Atlanta Hawks. So I'll tell you this. I haven't watched a single Atlanta Hawks game on purpose, by the way. I don't care that they got DeJounte Murray on this roster. I figured this would take a while for them to even look good. Um, DeJounte Murray's been a primary ball handler pretty much his entire career. Now he has to play the two guard. We all know he wasn't the best shooter coming in. I'm glad that he's improved and it fits a little bit better. But now we finally have somebody that can really orchestrate off the offensive end in Quinn Snyder. And I'm really interested to see how this works out in the next couple months. Uh, and if it doesn't, we get to see a Bond villain on the bench again, bro. It's been a while, man. I It's been a while since I've seen somebody who really looks like they should be an international criminal versus um, an NBA coach. The last person we had like this is Kristaps uh, Porzingis. When he grew out like his little beard and was wearing the turtlenecks when he was injured with Dallas, that man looked like an international criminal. He looked like he had laser beams that split you in half. But uh, we get that back with Quinn Snyder, even though he looks a little less crazy with his hair, with his new haircut. But I know he's going to grow it out for a season. I know he is. Alan, don't no one care about these. <laughs> don't no one care about these dudes. <laughs> Listen, they went from talking about playing, talking about their hair. Don't no one actually care about the Hawks. You have to come up with your own category to even talk about them. I'm talking about Cinderella. They not know Cinderella. The New Orleans Pelicans are the Cinderella. Why? Because they, as of right now, don't have Zion Williamson. Zion Williamson will come back at some point before the playoffs. He hopefully will have that Cinderella wish from the people of New Orleans and stay healthy during the playoffs. And they will get there and they will do pretty well. I bet they get out the first round. Right? I really, really do. But that's a team people care about. Because they got CJ, they got Brandon Ingram, they got Zion. Don't no one care about this fictitious Cinderella team you call the Atlanta Hawks. Sure, they got a new coach, and sure, the turnovers, or there's been a lot of turnover on that team since last year. But during the summer, Murray was in the summer leagues and kind of hooping with uh, 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 Trey Young, and people boasted it up to be, oh, man, it's going to be a crazy. Don't no one care about them dudes? No one ever cares about the Atlanta Hawks. Two years in a row for sure. Listen, remember that time when they had Josh Smith, Jamal Crawford, and Joe Johnson? One year. 
next year. Nobody care about them. Dominique, I went live back then, but I guarantee one year. Nobody care about them after that. Listen, don't no one care about the uh, Atlanta Hawks two years in a row. We don't need to be making up categories to just bring them up. The Pelicans is where it's at. The Pelicans are the only true Cinderella story of this NBA season, specifically the second half of this NBA season. Look, you're not going to clown the Atlanta Hawks, and specifically Dominique Wilkins. That's my faith, my father's favorite player. So we're going to let that slide. And that is the only, that no, is the only basketball no, player no. I've ever I, been starstruck. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I did not clown Dominique. I clowned the Hawks. Let's get it straight. I did by not clown extension. Dominique. I clowned the Hawks. That, but you clown them by extension. Because when you think of the Atlanta Hawks, you don't really think about anybody but Dominique Wilkins. Hopefully. That's not true. You, I get it. Web. That's the third name. That might be the fourth name I thought of. To, you me know, like me personally, I think of Dominique. I think of Josh Smith. I think of Joe Johnson. I think of Jamal Crawford. And I think of Spud Webb. Dude, my list is Dominique, Joe Johnson, Kyle Corver. I guess Kyle Corver did play for him a long time. But I don't think about that, man. You know why? Kyle Corver is that kind of guy that we're going to forget about in 20 years. Oh, yeah, easily. He just, he a three-point shooter, right? Uh, The only difference between him and J.J. Reddick is that J.J. Reddick can talk. Like, on a podcast on a regular basis, he has some kind of ambition to, like, be some kind of, like, NBA analyst, right? But, like, J.J. Reddick, if it wasn't for that, he would have been forgotten about too. Yeah. Right? Listen, Carl Culver is the equivalent to a shooting guard as Brandon Bass is to a power forward. Wow. Don't know when remember those people unless you was watching the NBA during that time specifically. You got a point, because I love me some Brandon Bass, bro. Listen, it? you like some Brandon Bass, I like some Brandon Bass because I'm Celtics years, right? But but if we went to anybody who started watching the NBA in the last seven years and go, do you know who Brandon Bass is? They're going to go, what kind of generic name is that? You just made that up. Look, that's a whole, ge- that's a whole different generation of people, bro. That's like people my little brother age. I don't ask them about basketball at all. Yeah, because, oh, wait, I'm saying, yeah, you might need to, but just not when it comes to Brandon Bass <laughs> or, or Kyle Culver or J.J. Redick either. You got a point. You got a point. But uh, that they still my Cinderella, bro. I got I got to give it to the Hawks because I, I need something good to come out of whatever this experiment is. If not, they kind of missed the mark on jumping into sweet stakes for Victor Wimbayama. And I know this is completely off subject. I don't think the NBA is really that big on Victor Wimbiyama because you got to think about all the teams that were supposed to tank this year and nobody really tanked. Like teams that were supposed to be really bad are really bad. So I don't listen. I don't even care about that kid. Do you think he got put in a post the other day? No, I didn't. I need to see that. By some dude who not even good. You can tell by footwork. I, I don't know the guy, you know, he's overseas. So I don't know his like. Uh, his status or all his stats or whatever it is, right? I don't know, like, what he brings to the game in terms of statistics. 
but I can tell just from a couple of plays that he's not nice. He's a your average big man. And I'm just like, he's sure he plays like a guard, right? But at some point, he's going to be put into the rim, pick and roll, switch off on the big man. And that man got to guard Joel Embiid. And Joel Embiid eats people like that for breakfast. He got to guard Giannis. Because, look, Giannis is a transition player. He's more fluid athletically, just like he is. Giannis is going to destroy that man, like physically, unless he puts on muscle like Giannis. Unless he puts on muscle like Giannis did. But the only people who do that, or that we've seen who've done that, who are superstars, that went from skinny to built, is Giannis and Dwight, and that's it. Everybody else tends to be about what their muscle structure is going to be. You know what I mean? Um, So I'm curious about how that looks because that man is going to be abused down there. Look, in all the people that you named, it took them years to get as big as they were. But that's besides the point. We're going to go ahead and move on to the next question. Question number two is who wins MVP? This is a race that I honestly – I – if somebody gave me $5,000 to make bets right now, I would completely skip over the MVP race. I do not know who is going to win the MVP. Um, I I know a lot of people are saying Jokic, he's having one of the best statistical seasons of all time. I want to say, if you're talking about win, share, percentage, whatever, it's like top 10 all time. He's having one of those seasons. Uh, they're top Two in the West. They've been competitive all season. Uh, Jokic is doing things that literally have you amazed the entire game. And I still don't like watching the Nuggets. Uh, I know that's besides the point. He's also already won two MVPs. Um, You are in a rarefied class if you get that third MVP. That is GOAT-level status. We get all the great things that comes with having Jokic as your center who creates everything for you. I just don't think... I don't think voters are going to have enough patience with him to give him that third um, that third MVP. I think this is the point where we're, voters get sick of greatness, which is... Always a weird concept to me. How can you get sick of one of the best players that you've ever seen play basketball? But we all recognize that they're as good as he is. There's some things that he can't do. Like he can take over a game, but his takeover is making sure everybody else gets fed. His takeover isn't, okay, I'm dropping 50 tonight. I'm grabbing 25 rebounds. It's making sure everybody eats while also being like a 20 and 15 guy. Which is absolutely amazing. At any point in history, I would take that over a lot of good players. I would. And then when we look at the other options for MVP, I'm not completely sold there either. This is this is probably the tightest playoff in MVP race that I've seen in my lifetime, where as a voter Getting into that booth, getting that ballot is going to be very tough. I don't think we're going to have a unanimous MVP anytime soon, especially not this year. I think this is going to be one of the tightest races 
probably ever. Like the person who wins MVP is not going to win by a landslide by any means. It's going to probably be within ten to fifteen votes. Easy. Uh, I think we're going to sorry, keep going my bad. I don't mean to interrupt you. Yeah, we're we're going to see one of the most up and down ballots probably ever. And I'm really excited to see that. Even though I do think it's probably like a top three race. And for the first time again in the times I've been watching basketball, which is almost sadly 20 years at this point, um, there's all big men, really. We're looking at a close race between Jokic and B. Giannis. I think there's other people outside of that group that have a chance are probably going to receive first place votes, but it's those three. See, it's funny. Because for me, it wasn't those three. Oh, really? I put out one person. Who's your three? It's Embiid, Jokic, or Tatum. Mm, okay. I, res- I respect Tatum. Tatum's my four. Tatum's my four. Now, I don't think Tatum should win. But I think he's a strong chance to win. I think Joel Embiid mm-hmm. should win. I really, really do. Jokic... If I, if I had to put money on it, if I had to put money on it, I'd put money on Jokic. But I want Embiid to win. But I'm not sure if they want to put Jokic at three in a row. Because rarely do people get three in a row. And in a market like the Nuggets, eh, but also he in many ways represents like the NBA going global. So, like, in terms of ambassador, and in terms of being an ambassador for, like, the NBA going global and, like, European countries and things like that, I could definitely see them using Jokic as, like, a catalyst to go forward. I know it's not that them being, I know it's specifically the NBA writers and stuff like that, but still, that could be a thought process. You know what I mean? Um, But I do hope Joel Embiid wins, because I mentioned this a few weeks back. Jokic, Embiid play each other, they have very similar stats. Except Jokic is just sister up higher. Oh, don't forget that Embiid dropped 47 on Jokic recently. No, no, that, that's my next point. Embiid cooks Jokic every single time. Every single time because Joel can somewhat contain Jokic, but Jokic can't contain Joel because Jokic is a bad defender. I mean, he just is, right? I mean, he, uh, athletically, he's just, you know, a step slower than guys like Giannis, guys like Joel Embiid. And Giannis is a better fit, or Giannis isn't a better fit against Jokic than Joel is because Giannis can't shoot. Mm. So he can't bring Joel, uh, so Jokic can kind of cheat off and stay at the rim when Embiid, he can't do that. Embiid got pump fakes, he got... Um, in and out crossovers, he got all the things, you know what I mean? Um, but once again, I think Jokic will win, don't want him to win, but for him to get three in a row, the Denver Nuggets have to go far into the playoffs this year. If they don't, I don't know what's gonna happen because they there's no excuse, right? They got Murray, they got Michael Porter Jr. They got the role players, like really good role players too. This year, there is zero excuse of why they can't, they can't 
squeeze all the potential out of this Denver team as they possibly can. In years past, sure. This year, not at all. I got an excuse for you. Oh, my gosh. The top two dudes that you named, all coming off of injury. That's, who like, cares? You're on the court. I don't care. Murray's played all season, so let's not talk about that. Um, I don't know Michael Porter Jr.'s injury status, but I don't know when he can get back on the court, but he's on the court now for the last half of the season. So if they stay healthy, there's no excuse. Especially for what Michael, Michael Porter Jr. brings to the table, not crazy defensively, but all he does is sit there and shoot. Shoot, 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 shoot. So, like, it's not like, you know, he has the weight of the world on his back in terms of the productivity he has to bring to the court. He has to do what he does very well. And Murray's had the whole season, so get out of here with that. We've seen people come back from ACL tears. This isn't 1992. It's 2023. And ACL tear in the NBA is not what it used to be. But you're also... So, you said... Porter doesn't have the weight of the world on his back. When he was at Missouri, he broke his back and he had a feather on his back. Nobody expected Missouri to be good just because he was there. They expected him to be the focal point and he still dealt with injuries. That's number one. Number two, Jamal Murray's never been like a super high level athletic guard. Everything Man, Jamal Murray had like, a double year, I, and that changed everybody's perspective of him. Exactly. But even when he was going crazy in the bubble, it wasn't like athletic stuff. It was like, I know how to play. You're not going to shake me out of my game, and I can get to my spots. With him being a step slower, it's it's tougher. It's tougher. And you got to build that confidence back up. I, I just... Jamal Murray is sneaky athletic, and people don't tend to realize it. Um, yeah. So I, I'd say he needs more credit in terms of athleticism to his game than people tend to give him. His, his athleticism, his athleticism has a lot to do with him knowing how to play, though. He's a dude that's gonna beat you with angles, not just like has he blow by. Like that's not that's not Jamal Murray's game. Like he'll he'll pull up in your face, but we're also talking about somebody who's like six four. You can kind of just elevate over most guards in the league at that. Because most guards not gonna really lock right. up like they need to. Right. So it's 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 a tough situation. It's a tough situation, bro. Like, I'm, I'm really I'm really excited to see how this MVP race because this is a legacy. As far as I'm concerned, for my top three, this is a legacy defining. Year in award. If Jokic gets three, it's what? Him, MJ, Larry Bird, Steph Curry, um, LeBron. Who else who else who else has three MVPs? Kareem. It's it's the GOATs of the GOATs type thing. Even though I can't believe I could just call Steph Curry a goat of the GOATs. But that's besides the point. Um we're talking about giving him an award that makes him that puts him in the upper echelon of GOAT in do you want to do that for a person who historically speaking does not win came into the league as an afterthought like I get what we're seeing on the floor it's just 
do you want to give him that one right now? Considering all the other dudes we're talking about are champions and they are the reason why teams won. And understand regular season wise, Jokic is the reason why his teams win. Postseason wise, he's the reason why his teams don't elevate high enough to win a championship. And that's nothing against them. It's not. I mean, it's all in the bubble that when they needed a bucket, they did not go to Jokic. I mean, it's, I mean, it's simple. I mean, it's simple. If Jokic gets three MVPs before Embiid gets one, that's that's a travesty. If Joel Embiid gets three MVP, or no, if Jokic gets three MVPs before Joel and Joel Embiid gets one, that is a travesty because they've been playing, they they play too close in terms of ability for that to be a thing, right? You you can toss others in there, right? Giannis has some incredible seasons. He will continue to have incredible seasons, but you have, but yo, but. But Embiid, for a couple seasons, has been the best in the NBA. Mm. I'm not saying, like, chronologically, like, in a row. But there have been specs of him being the best center in the NBA in multiple years. And has yet to get an MVP. That's not good. Um, And I personally think that there is at least one or two years to where he deserved to be MVP. Yeah. Well, like the last three or four years, he's been in the MVP conversation. And we're not talking about the fourth person in the MVP conversation. We're talking about like two or three. So it's. You know, any other time I wish I had a vote except this year. I I'm do. Glad I don't have MVP. a vote. Here you go. Every time you look, every time you every time he plays Jokic, he cooks him. Every time. Come on now. You want to, anything when you talk about MVP, like how, how valuable are you to your team? He is incredibly valuable to that team. Without him, they do nothing. Period. I agree. I agree. You, so you, the, you, you can get rid of Ben Simmons. You can't get rid of Joel. No, no, that, that team completely I wouldn't say falls off, but oh, they're no, probably it No, it falls off. They're either seven, eight. Ooh, that's that's still the play-in. They're a play-in team without Embiid. Wow, wow, tough. Okay, um, so let let's make this even harder for ourselves. Question number three: Who wins the title? And I'll be real with you, I have no idea. There's a reason why we didn't do a prediction episode this season because I have no idea who's going to win. In Nobody separated themselves. Nobody out west has been like, no, we the one. I guess you can point at Denver when we what we've been talking about, but we all know the flaws that come with Denver. Uh, the Phoenix Suns are looking like a front runner, but KD said still hasn't played with this team enough for me to be like, yeah, sure, sign me up, because we talked about it. I have plenty of where's the defense questions. I don't know where it's coming from. We're going to have to ask either Devin Booker or Kevin Durant to guard the second or third best player on most people's teams, which they can do in theory. But we're also asking them to still be 25 and 27 point per game scores, which is tough. 
Not a lot of people can do that on a regular basis. And then you amplify it to the playoffs where we have specific game plans to slow these two guys down, which is tough because it's two of them. But looking at the West, I don't know. Nobody feels like a true championship contender as of yet for me. Uh, There's plenty of teams that we can throw out there who we have expectations for. But the West ain't met expectations at all this year. And quite honestly, they haven't really met expectations for the two, three years. I'm looking at you, Clippers, directly in the eyes. I'm looking at you, Clippers. Um, I would never say I'm looking at L.A. because I know what L.A. been working with. I didn't see the last five years of L.A. Um, Gag me with a spoon. Not like it, what I'm seeing out of them. And then when we get past them, I, I'm sorry that I even broke brought up the purple and gold team. But I guess that's also kind of just saying what we're looking out out west, where we even have to bring up a team that we know was probably going to be in a play-in at best. Like, I just don't know who to choose out of there. I have to go with a front-runner. And I'm not, I don't feel well about picking any of those out of there. If I had to pick somebody to come out of the West, it would have to be Phoenix. Uh, I think offensively, they give just about everybody a run for their money. They'll figure it out on defense. But every team that has a shot to beat them offensively has major holes on the offensive end. I do not fully trust the defenders on the Nuggets. I do not fully trust Kawhi and Paul George um, to play a full series as of yet. Uh, Yeah, that makes sense. Listen, if Phoenix doesn't win the West, and that's that's on them because all their pieces mesh Theoretically, all their pieces all their pieces mesh too well because they are um, they play different, right? Mm-hmm. It is. And once again, I've said that before, but I'll say it again. It is. Kevin Durant doesn't have to worry about leadership. That's Chris Paul's job. Chris Paul doesn't have to worry about an offensive load and him breaking down because he has. Kevin Durant and Booker carrying that load for him. Booker can't get double teamed as much because Kevin Durant is just on the floor. And they both can play. They both can post up being Devin Booker and uh, Durant. They both can post up and take you off the dribble uh, at the three-point line. And you have Aiton, who is a standard big man, right? Block-to-block running big man. Insert anybody else into the any, any role player into the the open position. They play different enough that it should work. If Chris Paul can make working with James Harden work when they're both ball dominant, which it did, right? And the only reason it, the only reason it theoretically not theoretically the only reason it didn't work. In quotes, is because Chris Paul, got in, Chris Paul got injured. Outside of that, it worked. It worked to a T. You know what I mean? Um, 
And so I have them coming out the West, and I'm okay with it. I'm comfortable making that prediction. The East is the issue. Oh, because I'm, I'm just as – I'm not as confused on the East. I have my two teams that I feel like are going to come out of the East. It is Giannis in the Milwaukee Bucks. I don't think there's a single player in the league that can stop Giannis. And their defense has been insane. Like, I've been watching Brooke Lopez since he was at Stanford. The last couple of years on the defensive end is when I realized how big Brooke Lopez is. Like, he is, he is a huge human being who has, again, transformed his game in a way that I just never thought would be a thing. And he's competitively trying to get defensive player of the year. You mean to tell me you got one of the best overall players in the entire league in Giannis, and then you also got a defensive player of the year candidate on the team with a bunch of dudes who are rock solid. And at some point, Chris Middleton is going to come back. And even if he's a, ooh, I hate to say it like this, a shell of his former self where he's only scoring 12 to 15 points, that is a dangerous 12 to 15 point scoring weapon right? for a team like that. And then the other team that I have a lot of faith in is the Celtics. I honestly think the Celtics can make it back to uh, the finals. Not easily, but if you don't really have if you don't have two elite perimeter defenders, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. You, you're picking your poison. I get it. Jason Tatum might be option one, and Jalen Brown might be option two. I feel like they're one A, one B. At any time, at any in any game, one of those dudes can go for thirty-five, and they showed consistently both of them can go for 30 plus and it does not affect the offense in a negative way like they can play they can lock up everybody's connected i do not see a major hole in their entire roster everybody comes to defend everybody can shoot everybody's going to come and play hard every single night and i can't say that for a lot of other teams in the league um, I'm going to go ahead and bust your bubble a little bit here, Philip. Um, the person on the outside looking in, well, the team on the outside looking in for me is Philadelphia. I get it. They're, they have the weapons to do it. I do not trust. I do not trust most of their weapons. Uh, Tyrese Maxey still has a little bit of prove it to me. And I understand that he has played on the big stage and been really productive. I'm also looking for like a little bit more of a step out of him for me to be like, okay, I completely get it. Uh, James Harden. I've seen too many meltdowns from James Harden. I get it. We talk about like when he doesn't want to be there anymore, what does James Harden turn into besides that? When James Harden is heavily relied on, which I know he isn't now, he burns out. Is he going to burn out this year? When does that happen? And what does that look like when he 
has somebody like Joel Embiid who's going to put his foot in that boy's behind if he's not playing the way he needs to. And then Tobias Harris. Tobias Harris is incredibly consistent. He's going to give you what he give you, and nothing more, nothing less. And then yeah. when you go down from there, it's kind of like, what else she got? And I'm not really entertained by anything else that they have on that roster. Listen, listen, listen. James Harden, at some point, he has to conquer the hill, right? Like, not, you know, there's plenty of players out there that hasn't been the case for, but he's in the, he's been in worse situations and done great. And he is in a good situation now and is doing good. Last year, he was out of shape. He was trying to figure out the system. Now, that Joel Embiid, James Harden pick and roll is unstoppable. It just is. You know what I mean? Uh, for the 76ers, it depends on Tobias Harris, right? Is he going to be able to be that third option? That is what's the real question for me, the X factor for them. But I think they're up for contention. Seven-game series, adjustments back and forth, I think they can go with anybody just because they play so much differently than everybody. Just how the Celtics can also – go at everybody because they play so much differently because their best two players are their lead guards. Yeah. Right? And so that is, you know, an incredible matchup. Um, and then the Bucks, when they're healthy, they're just so consistent. Once again, just like I mentioned for um, the uh, Phoenix Suns, the Bucks' best players play the game completely different. Middleton, Drew Holiday, Giannis don't play the game at all, and that's why it fits. They don't play the game similar at all, and that is why it fits. You know what I mean? So those three teams are going to be slugging it out. Six, seven-game series. And then whoever comes out of the West is going to have more of a cakewalk. Whoever it is is going to have more of a cakewalk. And then we get to the finals – it's that standard thing, right? It is who's going to win, the team that's been battling, going through, or the team that's been rested. And usually it's not the rested team because their foot's off the pedal a little bit. And so whoever comes out the East is going to win the championship, I think. But if Phoenix comes out the West, there is no reason Phoenix shouldn't win a championship, if that makes sense. Yeah. Hey, here's my thing, though. I don't think – from what we saw so far, and that's Phoenix not having Kevin Durant. I don't think we've seen a team or a matchup where it's not going to be seven a seven-game or at least a six-game series for either conference, but especially the West. There's no separation out there. Um, the good is good. The bad is bad. Everybody feels pretty equal. And I don't know what that says for the West. I remember a time where if you came out of the West, you won the championship. Right. I, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, but that's what it is. Work is it, is ebbs and flows. Um, sometimes the east is better than the west. Sometimes the west is better than the east. But you know, uh, they're not. It's going to change because there's going to be trade and there's going to be new draft classes and all that kind of stuff. And at one point, and like not even that long ago, the west was it. The East were just younger. Mm-hmm. That's really what it was. The East were just younger. And now these players are coming into their own. And they're juggernauts. Tatum, Brown, Embiid, Giannis. And that's just for now. Who knows in the future? You know what I mean? So it's very, inter- it's very, very interesting. And Durant was just in the East. So once again, that's a, that, that's a whole trade factor, you know? Yeah. And uh, you actually just made the perfect segue into our fourth question. Uh, who do you think is this young generation's possible goal? And when I say that, I mean guys who are eight years or less in. And I know it, for me, I remember a time where players were max playing like 12 to 15 years. So you're halfway through your career at this point. Um, if you're, you're eight, like a guy like Giannis, but these dudes seem like they're just now stepping into their prom at year eight. So there's plenty of young dudes in the NBA that can kind of get this title. And for the fun factor, I would like for it to be John Morant. John Moran is probably the most entertaining guy of this young superstar era outside of um, outside of Zion Williamson. But Zion Williamson isn't as fun off the court. <laughs> John Morant got it on the court, off the court. His swag is crazy. I love exactly what he's doing. But I can't think of the last time we looked at a 6162 dude who weighs just as much as I do at 100 and, what, 65, 75 pounds. Uh, it'd be like, that's that's the one who's going to lead this next generation. If I had to put my vote in, it would probably be Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum is a dude that I think is probably going to win MVP in the next three or four years. Uh, I think he's going to step up that much. And his game is fun enough and people like him enough where I don't think it's going to be like a political issue that he wins. And if the core of the Celtics can stay together, they're going to win so many games where it's going to be really hard for anybody to look at them and not think based off their winning, based off Tatum's leadership, based off Tatum's production, that he is not one of the best players of this generation. We're already talking about it now. And of these guys outside of, let's say, Giannis, and I I guess we can put – Jokic in here too because I don't think he's past like year nine um, of these younger guys Tatum is the dude who seems like he's leading the new school by far and B's in his 20s still that's right and B's like my age which is Embiid, ridiculous Embiid went to K went to KU in 2013 mm-hmm yeah, he was he was he was a 2013-2014 season. So like, I mean, he's like what 28 then? He's like 28, 27, 28, something like that. It's it's one of those things where I don't know how you answer this question, right? Because I also want to say 
Tatum. But when you with Tatum's main skill is what? Scoring. Well, you got day guys like Donovan Mitchell and guys like Dane who are just as good as scores as them, as as Tatum is. What makes him stand out from that bunch? You know what I mean? Um, and that's why I can't confidently say Tatum because I think it's going to have to be a big man because mm. of how much more they impact the game than just a guard who can score, right? Because Kobe really came into his own, and there was lots of big men in that league, really, really great big men. Michael Jordan, same thing. But now the the game is so guard-heavy and big men play like guards that you just being a good scorer is not going to cut it. Mm. You have to be a good scorer, a good defender, which he's turned into a good two-way player. But you got to be a good scorer, good defender, get rebounds, blocks, assists. You got to be able to do it all. So with that being the case, I could say Giannis, but Giannis can't shoot. So he might end up getting that Shaq factor, right, of not the best player but the most dominant, which is – I'm not a huge fan of that that language, right? I mean, you know, in football, right, they were trying to say the same thing – a couple people were trying to say the same thing about Mahomes, right? Mahomes isn't the best quarterback, but he's the best player. I think that's like – that's like weirdly – sugarcoating the right conversations. You know what I mean? Um, So I don't love that I have to do that. But I think in terms of a big man, like in terms of the GOAT, I guess, conversation for this generation, Giannis could be categorized in that same Shaquille O'Neal type, unless he, like, truly starts expanding his game out. Truly. You know what I mean? In in a comfortable way. Yeah, man. I I, I, I literally can't choose one person. But I don't think they're in the league right now. I just don't think – I think everybody in the league right now is on – there's enough people on a close playing field that it's hard to gauge which one's going to end up being the best of them all, right? It's like um, it's like for a while when you had Vince Carter, Kobe, and Tracy McGrady, right? Mm. You had those three. Um, and eventually Kobe stood out amongst those, right? But then LeBron was there once he actually was able to take that next step and, like, separate himself from those other players. So I don't – I see a lot of people in the same categories, but I don't know if the person in the league right now – I don't know if the the LeBron of this era is in the league right now. You know what I mean? Because remember – Kobe was in the league, what, 96, 94? Seven years when LeBron came in. I think we're in that right now because we're still focused on LeBron. So I think we're in that kind of, like, limbo period right now in terms of, like, somebody standing out. And I think in the next four years, we'll really see who this next person is going to be. Like, I think it's going to be obvious the next four years who this person is going to be. Yeah. Hey. If we're talking about guys who just got in the league who have a chance of really being able to shake stuff up, that young man out in uh, Orlando, Paolo Bencaro, 
You already came in with the grown man physique. You already got solid game. He he might be one of them, yeah. He might be one of them. I don't even want to predict it. I have no idea. I don't even want to predict it. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know if I can. Mm. You know what we see. We're going to wrap this up on a very depressing note, guys. I'm sorry that I have to put you guys through this, but some of y'all, for some strange reason, seem to like that other team out in L.A. And I'm not talking about the Clippers. The Clippers deserve to have a name. They've been struggling for the minute they became a franchise. They've been struggling. So it's okay to use their name. But that other team, that team they share a building with, the purple and gold team, we got to talk about them bums real quick. They're playing better. I think they made some good moves at the trade deadline. Jared Vanderbilt just showed that he may be the defensive piece that they've been looking for by slowing down Luka the way he did. I don't know if he's going to be able to do it again. Um, I don't know if they have another matchup with him um, to see if this is real. But if they got a dude that can actually sufficiently slow down a superstar, or at least a a high-level scorer, they might have a chance to sneak back into the play-in tournament and be a real contender to get into the playoffs. That is a gross sentence. That is a very gross sentence. You're wrong. Uh, Sorry. I'm going to interrupt. You're wrong. Um, they won't make the playoffs um, because LeBron's over here limping, and Anthony Davis is have while he has a good time, uh, while he's having decent stats. You never know when he's going to get injured, and at the point they're at right now, they can't afford to get injured. So yeah, if you're worried about the injuries. I don't think I don't think Anthony Davis is that good. I think not, he's, 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 he's productive, but he's, he's not very. Stretch. But he's having a decent stretch. So yeah. like I don't, but like once again. You can have a decent stretch, and all of a sudden he'll hit his toe going to get a sandwich at nighttime, and he'll be out for three weeks. You know what I mean? Like, the stretch is cool, but eventually you got to be able to be on the floor uh, when push comes to shove. And outside the bubble, that's not really been his MO. So any team he's on, and once again, LeBron with the foot thing, I have no confidence that they'll healthily make it to the playoffs no matter what the uh, trade deadline did for them, right? Um, because, but even if they did, I don't care to talk about it because they're not better than the Clippers. So who cares to a degree? Um, I don't know. Uh, the Lakers are always being talked about. They're fine now, but once again, injuries are going to be a whole thing because LeBron's 38 got to carry the team because Anthony Davis can't do it because you put on Anthony Davis, his body physically literally breaks down. So um, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I don't care <laughs> about them. Yeah. Look, same boat in speaking of LeBron and injury. Is this officially a time where, look, I don't, I was saying this to myself earlier. I don't think Father Tom can do anything to stop LeBron. For over the past 10 years, at some point, he should have slowed down. He's still averaging 27-plus points per game. He's still doing what he's been doing since he was, like, 
21, which is absolutely insane. And I think the only thing that's going to stop him is injuries. And if we use the last three or four years as a track record, this is around a time where his body starts to break down or something happens where he just is out for a good portion of time. And this season, he's been injured more than we've ever seen before. Is Listen, listen. As of 33 minutes ago, LeBron is likely to miss an extended period of time due to his right foot injury per Shams. I think this is it. I don't look, I don't think LeBron will ever be cooked. I think he's big, strong, fast enough, good enough, smart enough. All the great things that we've said said to him over his past 20 years, where I think at 55, you know how they talked about with Wilt Chamberlain being like, hmm, I think I'll come back to the league at like 50. Yeah. I think LeBron is the next person that can comfortably come back after like a 10-year retirement and still be like, I can score 15 a day. I can get you 55 uh, and 5. Duke is getting too good. And LeBron, look, we're literally, you said it. We're seeing LeBron get hurt more than we've ever seen him get hurt before in his life. Ever. So, Father Tom didn't catch up to LeBron in the way he catches up to most basketball players at 38. But it's catching up to him in terms of injury. You know what I mean? Like, once again, you can spend all that money on your body. Dwayne Wade said it. He says he knows a lot of people that spend a lot of money on their bodies, but they aren't able to do what LeBron has been able to do in terms of uh, durability. But at some point, you are a person. So you'll, you do get fatigued. Um, you do get tired, which is another word for fatigued. Um, you do, you know, your, your body starts to break down, you know, uh, your body is not used to this because no one's body is used to this. At some point, you will become a shell of your former self, and you can tell that LeBron is not as athletic as he once was. It's very obvious because he's 38 years old. So while some people might take 30, for LeBron, it might take 39. Who knows, right? But there is a shelf life for everybody. Yeah. I'm going to be real with you. I think LeBron, as much as he's improved as a shooter and all the other little things he can do, and just being a massive human being, the issue will be how many games he can play, but it would never be his production. Mm. It would never be his production. Um, And... For that reason, I think he will be able to play with Bronny whenever Bronny gets into the league. But as far as Bronny stuff, he's what? Why, why are they predicting what his draft class, what he's going to be in the draft? Hey, look, I was sick when they came out with the the twenty uh, early look at the twenty twenty four. I was like, bro, you still making twenty twenty three draft mock drafts? What are we doing? What was the purpose of this? And they have a Bronny at Tim's. Like, who do you? Who who are you making this for? Did you did you read that article where they explained what the reasoning behind it was? No, I I kind of just like glossed over it. Dog, they didn't even have a reasoning. It wasn't a good one. But like it was like, wait, it was like I, he's improved I, over the yeah yeah, yeah yeah like yeah. he's he's yeah. gotten better. But it's kind of like they never said what made him elite. I think and they said he's turned who, into one of the best defenders in the nation, right? Is that that's true. That's true. Sure, but, but he's, like he's always been one of them. But, like, as that might, 
as that may be true, right? Let's say that it is true. You get to the league. Even the best defender, you're a guard. You're going to get cooked, right? That's not, this isn't, this isn't 2002. This isn't 1994. You can't come into a, you can't come into the NBA, which especially being defensively as a guard right now, and that, that, that hold any true weight. Like, like it might hold some kind of weight because any effort, but the way the game has shifted and the way the game is played now, 30, 40 will be dropping you on a regular basis. And your, your defensive tenacity isn't going to do much. Now, as a big man, that's a whole different story. That's a whole different story. But as a guard, who, who, Marcus Smart, um, outside of Marcus Smart as a guard, who is, like, up there in terms of league, in terms of, like, guard, every day, makes a difference on the defensive side of the court? Like, nobody, Drew really. Holiday. Drew Holiday? Okay, yes, Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday is Marcus Smart. And we're not going to pretend. We're not going to pretend Bronny is those, those two. Look, here's the thing. Think of the last time you've heard of a guard being drafted in the lottery because of defense. Uh, Avery Bradley. That's the last time, right? But Avery Bradley was also going crazy offensively at Texas. They thought he had more upside than that. Yeah. Just being a defensive stopper. Yeah. I mean. Like, I, I can't think of it, like, historically. And I'm a draft nerd. I can't think of the last person that was drafted in the lottery Who's under six seven because of defense. Their defense. That's crazy. Like they, they could have just they could have completely sold us on what we all think and be like, it's LeBron's son. Somebody might be dumb enough to do it. They could have put that as a footnote. They could have put that as like one sentence. Yeah. They could have just said, Be LeBron's son. Somebody gonna see what they can do to get LeBron. They put the footnote. <laughs> They could have did that. They they try to they try to sell us home some type of wild dream. Look, that's real. If Le, if Bronny goes crazy, right, in the McDonald's All American Game and the USA Hoop Summit, right, there's, there is a chance. But you know what happens? That man gotta go play college basketball. And we see how they tear kids apart when they don't do what we think they're supposed to do at the college level. We've seen that for the past, I don't know, forever. Right. And on top of that, if he decides, I don't want to go to college, and he got to go play in the G League. Right. You think you, you think the, the men that are trying to get into the league are going to be nice to Bronny? No. Listen, no. you you think they win at Lonzo? Come on now, like this isn't even like a question. Like he's gonna get gone. He's gonna get, he's gonna get attacked on the basketball court. They, but they once again, that man in front this of his dad. Is, listen, this right here, this is a guard heavy league. This has nothing to do with him, right? He's not that tall. He. Is physical, but in the league, that's not what it's about. At all. And right, like right now specifically, that's not what it's about. 
So for somebody to say, as you mentioned, to go, this man's going to go top 10, and we're mainly prefacing that off his defense sounds asinine to me. That sounds crazy. Um, but once again, just, just a footnote. This is Bronny's. This is LeBron's son, mm-hmm. right? Because at the end of the day, the other son, what's his name? The younger one? Bryce. Way more potential. Way more potential just, just from his stature alone, right? Just from his stature alone, more potential. I'm not saying he's going to be better. I'm saying more potential. I don't love the way that the media is categorizing Bronny because I'm just curious at this point of how he's going to look when he goes to college and has to play college every single day against coaches that are going to scheme against him like mm-hmm. any other player. And you got to go to national championships and win, and you got to be on the floor, and you got to be working like a dog, and you got to, and you got to be. It's a dog. College is a dog eat dog world, right? And then everybody knows that when LeBron is in town, you you got to show out. You on TV, right? Because I don't even know what college is going to go to. I have no inclination on what it's going to be, but it's going to be on TV. Like his 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 college is going to be on TV a lot. Mm-hmm. So where wherever he goes. So he's going to get gone after a lot because everybody's trying to show out because they're going to be on national TV. Yeah. So we're, oh. so we're, we're, we're going to see in college just how fantastic this defense is. Because, but anyways, just because it's good in college, that won't necessarily translate to the NBA. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and Philip, don't, don't buy into the hype about Bryce being 6'6". They said that all summer, and there has been plenty of pictures where – Bronny and Bryce are standing shoulder to shoulder. He he might he might be six four. Might be. Might be. Like they Well he, well he's definitely tall. He's but he's definitely taller than Bronny. That's for sure. From all the pictures, that that that's for, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, we, we also gotta talk about production. But that is a completely different podcast in itself. Uh, guys, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Traveling Hoopers podcast. I have been your host, Alan Perdigo Jr. And since you're already hearing, you heard our voices all night. I know we made some great points and opinions. Go ahead and like and share this podcast with all your friends and then do us a really big favor because, you know, you would love to see us again. Go ahead and hit the subscribe button. We're going to be here all night. Turn on the notifications. We're going to be here every single week hopefully we're a little inconsistent but the content is always here we got plenty of podcasts for you to go back and listen to the before uh you even met us here tonight uh so i really appreciate that and before i sign out i'm gonna go ahead and let my man philip dixon go ahead and get us out of here what's going on yeah 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 so thanks for making this far uh, my name is Philip Dixon, a.k.a. Mm, half-off apps at Applebee's. Um, so, you know, uh, subscribe, click that notification bell, do all those things that make uh, us uh, become more popular possible, and we greatly, greatly, greatly appreciate it. Um, yeah, so thank you. Yeah, Philip is for sure going to eat a corn dog after this podcast.